Trading for me is like a daily exorcism of all my demons. Oh, good grief. I, I, I had no idea I was so screwed up until I became a retail trader. I started this and then I, I found out things about myself I had never even thought of. It brought out this demon that I had where I didn't think I deserved success again. I, I figured, you know, I've had my, my life is over. I've already died once. You know, maybe I don't deserve. Maybe that was it, you know, and uh, I had to deal with that. And that's what retail trading brought out. And I would never really have, I was sort of blind to that before I got into this. It was a big blow to my ego because my whole identity, I, I was just JJ the trader, right? Yeah. I was never JJ the uh, human being, right? And, uh, and I was living in Vancouver, which is an extremely materialistic city. Be kind to yourself and remember it's a marathon, you know? So your, your objective is to be alive and to be trading the next day, right? Not to make money when you're first starting out. Welcome to this week's Affermind podcast with me, Stephen Goldstein. And myself, Mark Randall. My co-host is dialing in today. Uh, welcome everyone. This is our 17th episode and today we are playing the second half of an extended interview we did a couple of weeks ago with retail trader, former penny stocks market maker and co-host of the excellent podcast, Confessions of a Market Maker, JJ, also known by his Twitter handle at VWOPTRADERUM. Before I introduce this episode more fully, first let me tell you a little bit more about the Affermind podcast. Uh, for those of you who are new to this podcast, or for those of you also who are keen to understand a little bit more about our work, the aim of the Alphamind podcast is to discuss and explore the mindset, behaviours, mental and emotional aspects of trading and investing and beyond. Our philosophy is that trading and investment are performance activities. Yes, there is a science element to it, but above all, trading and investment is an art. Yes, you can be highly knowledgeable intellectually intelligent, have great abilities as an analyst, have read all the books which inform you about the tangible aspects needed to achieve success as a trader. But ultimately, you need the human skills to transform that into success. That is where the art comes in. Trading is a highly skilled activity that takes many years to learn and a lifetime to master. So at the Alpha Mind podcast, we explore this. We examine the being of being a trader rather than the doing. We focus on developing self so that people could be more present and more engaged in their work and help develop the vital human and emotional intelligence skills which are so essential for success in the world of trading and investment. You know, these include abilities such as being able to manage your ego. Being able to cope with and embrace uncertainty and ambiguity, which are an inherent part of engaging with financial markets. And to be able to deal with the powerful emotions which trading causes to well up within us and which affect us and lead to stress and anxiety, which are just part of existing within this extremely challenging world. And to develop the resilience needed to survive, let alone thrive, so you can make better decisions, more informed choices, and to act in ways which are likely to drive success, which can allow your intellectual aspects to be transformed into definable edges, which can then be applied every day in your work. Both myself and my co-host Mark Randall are experienced market veterans, each of us having worked for many decades inside investment banks. I myself was a propriety trader at firms such as Commerce Bank, Credit Suisse and American Express. And Mark was involved in banking and sales roles for over three decades at firms such as NatWest, 
RBS and Greenwich Capital. Nowadays, we both work in this space, helping people to develop their self so they can be more optimal in how they work, so that they can perform more productively and more effectively. We are passionate on promoting this rarely explored but vital side of trading and investment. Fields such as sport, the arts, leadership, management, medicine, aviation, military, they've all embraced performance improvement. They all devote fast energy, investment and time to helping their people at the very top of their game, more particularly, to perform more effectively and more productively. The financial markets has largely ignored this aspect. Now, over the past four months, since we started the Alpha Mom podcast, we have discussed and explored many themes around the performance aspects of financial market activity. We have interviewed leading traders, both institutional and private traders. We've spoken to coaches, psychologists, analysts to help broaden these topics and themes. And we're going to continue to do so in the months ahead with the aim of widening the field a little bit further to get input from others about these areas of performance. So before we move into this podcast interview, thank you once again. We've had some some amazing feedback from people who have, you know, who have been listeners to these podcasts and, and taken the time to contact us and thank us for this work. And it's really heartwarming to have received, you know, such glowing compliments from these people. And as a reminder, if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please do go onto iTunes and give us a rating. This helps us to climb the rankings on iTunes, which means that we can then reach a, a wider audience. Also, feel free to share the Alpha Mind podcast with colleagues or friends, you know, for whom you think it would be useful, valuable and interesting. Um, and, and, you know, generally, you know, we, we welcome you as part of our audience. So with that said, on with this week's podcast, part two of the interview with JJ. If you want to listen to part one of the podcast, you know, it was a very enjoyable interview. It was last week's episode. And we, we first discussed with JJ his history, his time as a penny stocks market maker in a world that was immortalized in the film Wolf of Wall Street. You know, JJ operated in that world and he had some interesting reflections and colorful stories on that time in his life, which saw him progress rapidly in that world, but equally suffer a, a painful decline. Um, he talked about hitting rock bottom and he talked about the heart attack he had, which followed that. Fortunately, he came through the other side of that. And JJ then decided to become a retail trader. This was far from the easy journey he thought it would be. You know, JJ talked about the shock of realizing that all his years of experience, nearly 20 years as a market maker, really counted for nothing as he struggled with the move into retail trading. And in fact, that is a story we've heard from many individuals who have worked in banks, energy firms, even hedge funds, who have then moved to try and trade for themselves. It's, it's a very different experience. Um, we also talked about, you know, the learnings he's made through his journey um, and some of the tools he's come to use, such as market profile. And finally, we made references to some of what he's learned in his podcast series, Confessions of a Market Maker. Um, so, you know, that, that was a great episode. And again, we had some great feedback on that first part. In this second part of the interview, we delve more deeply into the being of being a trader in terms of the particular mental and emotional and psychological aspects, you know, that have really come to impact JJ. So please, you know, sit back and enjoy this episode of the podcast. 
Just before we go into that, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode of the Alpha Mind podcast is co-sponsored by Alpha R Cubed, which delivers powerful coaching programs to financial market and investment businesses. Their programs focus on help and deliver performance improvements for leaders, teams and individuals with a focus on traders. They also work with people in investment roles, sales and analysts. You can learn more about them on their website, Alpha R, that's the letter R, cubed.com, alphaRcubed.com. Our other co-sponsor is the Mark Randall Consultancy, which delivers powerful personal, professional and organisational performance optimization built around mind fitness programmes. And they are regarded as one of the world's leading providers of applied corporate mindfulness. Thank you very much. And now on with this week's episode and the interview with JJ. You will notice that the the start of this podcast sounds quite abrupt. That's because this was the midway point in a much longer interview. So we do apologize for that. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. You, you said something then that, that really, really struck me. You used that word tape reading. And there's probably a lot of people sitting there listening to this or whatever going, what the hell is that? Now, <laughs> people forget that is actually the art of trading. You know, that if yeah, you've ever exactly. read, if you've read reminiscences of a stock operator, you know, he talked about tape reading the whole time. And it doesn't exactly. matter what, yeah. what system you use, they are all tools to help you read the tape. Even if you use fundamentals, technicals, various indicators, Ultimately, your job is to read the tape and then take a trade off that. Exactly. And, and tape reading and, and for, for the newer, younger viewer uh, listeners, you know, uh, we're talking about ticker tape. Now it's called time and sales because tape doesn't even exist. But what they yeah. used to talk about is reading the ticker tape, and which hasn't existed for decades. But when I started in this journey in the early 90s, um, you know, there were a bunch of old guys at the visitor center of the Vancouver Stock Exchange, and they had a 15-minute delayed ticker, and that's what they would trade off. That wasn't even a real-time ticker. You know? um, and, and still it worked because they knew how to read that. And, of course, the markets were a lot slower then. Now the markets, the, the, the tape moves so fast on some of these, on some of these stocks, and, and it, yes, at times, very, very hard to sort of, to, to keep track of it yeah what we're talking about is your brain processing something it sees and becoming so used to it that it unconsciously starts to recognize patterns in exactly. whatever whatever the source of the information is if you watch it enough you become a kind of expert in that and that leads you into a recognizing something that you've seen you know, hundreds, if not thousands of times before, and your brain goes, aha, something's about to happen with a high degree exactly. of probability. And, and, you know, I've got a guy who I coached a couple of years ago, and he said to me, I said, you know, he, he was a guy who's a trader in a bank, and he, you know, I was told before I started working to, working with him that, you know, he's one of our most successful traders, you know, this is how he trades, blah, blah, blah. And I, I met him and he, he told me, I said, so what is, you know, what is your method? What is your secret? 
And he says he arbitrages foreign exchange. And I'm like, I'm thinking, no, no one arbitrages foreign exchange. They haven't done it since the 90s. Computers are far too quick. You know, it's, it is actually an equation where it's a perfect match. You know, you've got, you've got three components to it where A plus B does actually equal C. And the computers can do it in millionths of a microsecond if there's any disparity. And he explained his method to me. And I'm thinking, you know, that doesn't make sense. You can't possibly see it faster than the market. The, 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 but actually what happens, what I got to learn was he gets to see a pattern that forms that informs him that he can leave one leg of it open. But if he just watches that one currency on its own, he won't see that pattern. So his brain, at least this is what I believe happens, his brain is unconsciously recognizing a pattern in the movement of three different components that inform him oh. there's going to be a move somewhere soon. And he, he, he recognizes that. So he's not actually doing arbitrage, but he thinks he is. But actually he is <laughs> using... He is using some sort of unconscious pattern recognition to see a move that's about to happen. And I think that's what we all do. Everyone somewhere does it, whether it's technical, an indicator, fundamental, even data. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting when you, can, when you can pull apart a process like that and, uh, and sort of quantify it. So, it's intuition, isn't it? Yeah. I, I did it myself as a trader. You know, I, I, I focused generally on one market. I traded a few related markets, but I used to trade the Bund. Um, and also in the 90s, I traded the BTP, the Italian bond future. And I just got, I could get a sense of when a market was overextended, about to break, because I knew those markets so well. And, you know, people say, why do you trade one instrument sometimes? Oh, when, exactly. When you get to know it so well and you get to understand its, you know, its idiosyncrasies and its nuances, you know, that's a massive edge. That that is an edge, and that's why I limit myself to the uh, to the mini. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who trade different products, but um, you know, for myself, there, there's enough money in trading the e mini. It's it's a liquid market. There's there's beautiful price action. Um, so I just trade that and I, and I know it, you know, and, and every day I get to know it more and more and it teaches me something new every day. So, so that's the uh, E-mini S&P, yeah? Yes, sir. Did you trade it through the flash crash? No, I was not a retail trader during the flash crash. Oh. Uh, during the flash crash, I was babysitting a gold mining company uh, that was mining for gold up in Alaska. And the CEO loved doing toxic floorless convertibles. Uh, so my job was to babysit the stock and make sure the guys who were funding the company didn't short us into the ground. Okay. <laughs> I, I was, when I say I retired in 2009, I retired from trading for organizations. But, you know, when, when I decided to become a coach, you know, I did keep my hand in trading for a few years. Um, I was running some accounts. Uh, in the early days, you know, when I was pretty much learning and I didn't have any income from this. And one of the, I, I traded through the flash crash. But here in the UK, it happened about uh, maybe 7.30, 8 o'clock in the evening. 
And I actually had a short S&P position at the time. And I, I, was, there, I was watching TV. And I just happened to look at my phone, <laughs> you know, check my IG account to see what was going on. And I was like, whoa, what the hell has happened here? Right? Exactly. And, and I, I'm up about £70,000 at that point. Right? And I, I'm like, <laughs> I called up my mate, Gary, who I know has been, been a bear on the S&P for as long as you... You know, he, he's one of these perma bears. It's always about to crash. Okay. So I called him up and I was like, Gary, have you seen the S&P? And he goes, yeah, I know it's crazy, isn't it? And he goes, what are you going to do? And I'm saying like, well, I'm, I, you know, this is obviously going a lot further. <laughs> Let's just sit with it. And then I called him up 10 minutes later and I've gone, Gary, have you seen the S&P? And he went, well, it's going to way back up. That's <laughs> <laughs> I remember that because yeah. I, I wasn't trading at the time. I was, uh, I think I may have just been still in the broken world, but I was just, you know, cognizant of market activity. And, um, you know, when you just know, you don't know why you just know because of intuition. I knew that market would close unchanged on the day. And it was it, something it, like it was... 900 down at one point, yes? Yeah. yeah. I knew it, it, it was. It had. And and even even the penny stock uh, market um, was was horribly pounded, um, you know, because I, I think the stock that I was babysitting, I think it was like a five cent stock, and uh, it, it went down to point zero zero one cent, um, and I stepped in and I bought a million shares at point zero zero one because I knew uh -huh. that we wouldn't go bid off. Um, you know, and that, that quickly turned into a very, very nice trade, you know, picking up a million right. shares down there. Wow. You know? So wow. that, that was my trading. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't real trading. It was, you know, it was penny stock stuff. But I, I knew something was really, something odd had happened. Um, and I think that was my intuition after trading, um, yeah. you know, through 9-11. Through and, and I actually started around when the uh, long-term capital crisis happened. Um, and uh, they actually had to shut down the markets early that day. Uh, I still remember that. Yeah, yeah. the impossible is possible. Well, I, I just oh yeah, that day. I, I just looked at it that day, and I, I you know, it's uh, my first ever month trading was October 1987. So uh, it, it was back to wow. fire. And um, when I, when I saw that flash crash, I'm thinking we're going we're going to do October 1987 again. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm making the biggest mistake you can ever make as a trader when you start going, well, how much am I going to make if that happens? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Never do that. Never do oh, that. Oh, gosh. It is, it is, it's one of the hardest things to not focus on the money. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, and because when you look at the money, all of the demons of, of your, that are inside you come out regarding money or lack thereof, or how, you know, and, and that, that's why I find, uh, I think like trading for me is like a daily exorcism of all my demons. <laughs> well, that's a great, you know? that's, a that's a lovely, that's a lovely quote. I think we could put that on the start somewhere. <laughs> so say it again, we, uh, say it again, that was great. Well, uh, trading for me is, is the daily exercise or exorcism of all my demons. Yeah, I, I mean, JJ, that could be your quote for life. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's so true, though, isn't it? 
it, bring, it, it brings it out is. every it brings out every little part of you that you wish you didn't have oh good grief i i, I had no idea i was so screwed up until i became a retail trader <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean i started this and then i i found out things about myself i had never even thought of i mean a lot of the times i i wouldn't take trades for example because i had this i had this anxiety uh because i've been up and down so much and you know going through a divorce and having a heart attack and all these you know sort of typical like i'm like the typical guy in the 80s dudley moore with the midlife crisis right uh all i'm missing is the corvette um you know and the young girlfriend right so it you know when you become the stereotype you kind of wonder you know was i successful was i really successful or was that just a fluke uh, and I've been up and down a couple of times, but even but when your health goes, you know, I started wondering, you know, do I deserve to be successful? And for a lot of the time, and until I, when I got into retail trading, it, it brought out this demon that I had where I didn't think I deserved success again. I, I figured, you know, I've had, my, my life is over. I've already died once. You know, maybe I don't deserve, maybe that was it, you know? And uh, I had to deal with that. And that's what retail trading brought out. And I would never really, have, I was sort of blind to that before I got into this. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's powerful stuff. You know, it's, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm trying to think how to sort of follow that up. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's it, not, not thinking you deserve this is, is something I come across often in my coaching. And I, I, I can tell you, one of my earliest um, coaching clients was uh, a trader in a bank, an FX trader. And you, you're, you're, obviously, you've been in England, so you're familiar with the class system we have over here. Mm. And this guy was an ordinary guy from, a, you know, from, um, you know, went to what we call a comprehensive school, which is, you know, it's not a private school. It's very much in the state system. And, he, you know, he was telling me that. He's going to me, Steve, I, I don't deserve the success of some of these guys around around me. He goes, these guys went to university, they went to private schools, they're from well-respected families, and, and I'm just an ordinary guy. And, and I'm thinking, you know what, your manager has told me how good he thinks you are. You know, he thinks you're one of the smartest, brightest guys around. And the, the reason he's asked you to come into the coaching program is because he sees so much potential in you and you're not hitting the numbers that he thinks you could achieve. And at the core of that really was this, this part of him where he's beating himself up saying, I'm not good enough. You know, and, and we had to work with that. And once he got rid of that, this guy absolutely flew. You know, he's now, he's now a global head of trading at, at this same firm. And, you know, his P&L more than doubled. And it was just getting rid of this, this, this self-limiting belief. It wasn't just that, but a big part of it was, you know, actually, do you know what? I am good. I deserve success. And there's no reason why I shouldn't. Was kind of the unconscious mantra that he adopted after that. And suddenly, you know, he started seeing opportunities that he wasn't seeing before. And he started monetizing them. And it's very easy to get into that, into that mindset that you you talked about. It it, it is, um, it, especially uh, for myself, because I really uh, I was a, a cl 
classic underachiever when I was, I didn't really get serious about life until I was about 25. Um, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I had a, a grand old time. I worked in nightclubs. I was a bouncer. I did all sorts of things. I had all sorts of crazy adventures. And, um, you know, I never really took anything seriously until I got into this. And then what happened to me is my whole identity got wrapped up into this. So as soon as, for example, when I lost everything after 9-11, it destroyed my mental capacity because, you know, you go from making a lot of money every month, having a penthouse and two Porsches, to living above an Irish bar and taking the bus to work and working for a stock promoter that looks like Colonel Sanders. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it was a big blow to my ego because my whole identity, I, I was just JJ the trader, right? Yeah. I was never JJ the a human being, right? And, uh, and I was living in Vancouver, which is an extremely materialistic city. Um, and everything there is about what kind of car you drive, what kind of house, what neighborhood you live in, where you're shopping, all of that. So when that's gone, um, you know, and that's the one thing about Saskatchewan, my, my friends here, if I was worth, you know, $8 billion, they would just, they would still, you know, uh, insult me the way they still do because most of them are retired policemen and, you know, and guys that I was bouncers with. You know, they're like, ah, you know, you're getting too big for your britches. Just, you know, shut up and have a beer. Right? <laughs> you know, that, they, they don't care. And, and, and when I talk about the market, they tell me to shut up all the time because they're like, oh, you know, <laughs> you and your criminal traders, you know, just shut up. You know, like, why don't you go get a normal job? So they put me in my place very, very quickly, you know. Um, that social banter is vital, though, isn't it? Oh, it's, 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 know, it's, it's necessary. Yeah, you know? it's. One of the things that we've been talking about in several of these podcasts is the absence of that for people that maybe get shacked up in their study or their, their man cave and they're trading all day long. But they, they, even if someone's taken the mickey out of you or, you know, just oh, taking yeah. you off, off subject, that you, for your health, you need that. You don't do. I that. mean, I, I, the, the, the thing I miss the most about the trade desk is the banter and the laughter. Uh, you know, sure, the money was great, um, and, but it was that there was a social aspect to it that the computers have sort of driven out. Um, you know, we used to, um, you know, we used to laugh and laugh and laugh, and I, I never laughed so hard and, and made so much money at a job in my entire life. And, you know, it was all po politically incorrect stuff, too. I mean, you know, they used to call me steroid Gandhi, um, you know, some of the market makers. And, you know, they, we would just insult each other just, you know, just for the fun of it. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I miss that. I miss – there's not a day goes by that I, I don't miss those guys and girls. <laughs> we, we had um, – I mean, if, I, I, I don't know if I could say it on this podcast, but I'm going to say it, hey, you know – one of the stories that Clive was able to tell about uh, his time on the live floor when he was talking about a colleague and his colleague was named Boat. And he was called Boat because he was, was he Vietnamese? Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and that was, you know, that, that was one of the stories that could get through, you know. Yeah. And, then, and then his brother came and joined the live floor. And he was he was obviously smaller and younger than him, so they called him Canoe. <laughs> I was just going to say 
it is. See, it's just, yeah, we, I mean, we used to, I mean, gosh, racial insults were just a part of the norm. Yeah. We just laughed about it. It wasn't a No, 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 no one had a real name. No one in the market that I knew nobody, had a real name. Yeah, nobody, exactly. Everybody had nicknames, right? Um, and uh, it was just, it, I don't know, it was just so much fun. And I, I miss those days. And it's just, everyone's so sensitive now, too. But I guess on, on social media and electronically, you, you really, you don't get the tone of what someone's saying. So, yeah. you know, if somebody says something to you, it, it's just black and white. So there's, there's no emotion. You can't look into that person's eyes. You don't know if it's, you know, if they're joking around or, or that sort of thing. So yeah. it was, um, you know, that, that, was, that was the one great thing about it. And also, I mean, myself, I'm a brown guy. Um, I, I never encountered racism at all, ever, in, in trading. Um, it was just... You know, I mean, we'd insult each other racially all the time, but it was just, it was just good fun. <laughs> it wasn't, and now, you know, thinking about it in this day and age, 30 years later, 20 years later, it, um, you know, in the environment that we live in. It, it was a great leveler. I mean, when, when, I, when I traded and I knew the guys on the floor in London, you know, if you were good, you were good. And it didn't matter whether you were male, female, exactly. black, white. Um, yeah. In fact, it was probably harder to get on the floor if you had a posh accent than anything. Yes, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, so you know, everyone was there to help you if you needed the help. It wasn't just about fun. If it, you suddenly had problems or issues or bad trades, people would muster oh, yeah. around and help. Uh, definitely, definitely. That, that, that sort of support system you have... Or even if you, after you've gotten blown out by a client or you have a bad day. Yeah, help tap on the shoulder, you know. A quick word from our first sponsor. Most people enter trading with the fallacy that if you call the market right, you will make money. In reality, it is getting your mindset, behaviors, processes, and attitudes right, which matter. The Alpha Mind Trader Performance Program is a powerful coaching program which has been delivered with great success over the past decades to traders and investment professionals around the world. The program is delivered by Alpha R Cubed. You can find out more about this program by going to the Alpha Mind blog page, alphamindblog.blogspot.com, and clicking on the link at the top of the screen. At this point in the podcast, JJ's phone line dropped. So I just started talking to Mark about an event he was due to deliver some work to the next day. Um, so you'll hear me talk about this with Mark for a minute or so, and then JJ rejoins the podcast. Thank you. Mark, you're, 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 you're talking at an event this week. What is that about? Well, it's the largest event, I think, in the world run by the insurance industry. Lloyds of London are a key um, driver. I'm running a, a mind fitness uh, masterclass there, which is like which I presented slightly earlier in the week to a whole bunch of lawyers, and they and they said uh, essentially it's a business case for, for for everyone to learn that they need to manage their stress. Uh, it's very well taken there, but I've got this event uh, tomorrow. Yeah, it's the fastest uh, session to sell out, and uh, I've got 80 to 100 people turning up for, for a little bit of me tomorrow. So I'm very much looking forward to that. But it's um, a massive platform. I mean, it's uh, quite rare as a, I guess, small business. I guess we treat ourselves as small businesses, right? To be invited into such a thing with such names sponsoring it. So I'm looking Fantastic. forward to that because, of course, the insurance community bridges into the trading community. 
through the asset management side and the pension fund side. So, uh, yep, I might well connect with some folk there too that we could uh, share the uh, Alpha Mind project with. Fantastic. So, sorry, I know we, we lost you there, JJ. I was I was hoping you hadn't. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. My phone. It, it, the funny thing about this phone is when someone calls, you don't get call waiting. It just cuts you off the call for some reason. Okay. Okay. So bizarre. Brilliant. Well, we, I apologize. We, we, that's all right. That's all right. So it's great. I was just um, asking Mark. Mark, uh, we probably haven't really explained it too well, but Mark is well, he's a former broker for over thirty years. Uh, he now works in the field of uh, mindfulness, or what he calls mind fitness, which is corporate mindfulness, and it's developed on the same lines as um, as the mindfulness practice used by the U.S. military forces. And it's really about dealing with stress and bringing the best of yourself mentally to your work. I, I just wonder if you've got any experiences with anything like that, or whether you do anything like that. Um, I this is a part of my life uh, managing stress that I have really, really, it's something I blew. I, I did not think about it. Um, I, I was a young man who thought I was indestructible until I had a heart attack and died and I was dead for three or four minutes and came back to life. And I still, um, you know, I used to get very stressed out. I, I used to be so agitated. Um, you know, one of my bosses would have a, a bottle of Maalox in his car and in his office and on the trade desk, you know. So we didn't, unfortunately, back in the early 90s, we weren't taught, you know, like Solomon Brothers, like they say, you know, you've got to get up every morning ready to bite the ass off a bear. You have that mentality, and it's the worst thing for managing stress because you don't know how to manage it. And a few years ago, a friend of mine who's a PhD in psychology, we were talking about this, and uh, he unfortunately got tied up on something, but he was going to help me sort of, and he started talking about mindfulness. And it, and it sort of intrigued me, and I, I think Dr. Van Tharp talks about this as well, but I have not had time to delve into it, and it's something... Uh, it's something that I need to do uh, if I'm going to maybe live another 20 years if I'm lucky. Um, you know, because from what I, what it seems like, it, it seems of being aware of yourself and aware of, of what's going on around you and maybe being aware of the stressors or the, you know, uh, the catalysts that, you know, cause you to, you know, go off track. I, I'm not sure I could be wrong, but uh, anything to center myself, I would, uh, this is definitely something I, I need to work on. Yeah, I'd uh, certainly recommend it to any anyone that's a trader, whatever they're doing, to have some degree of self-management um, to, I mean, I'm not talking about the pure end of mindfulness, which even to me is just a bit cookie. You know, you go and retreat for a month or something and don't speak to anybody. That sounds, <laughs> uh, yeah, you come back with more stress than, than, than you went with. Um, but um, if, you, if you go down the end to what, uh, you know, sports performance and uh, military guys are using, it's the short form version. It's the one that's about mindset optimization, essentially, um, using short amounts of, uh, of breath management uh, at, at a fundamental level to create an ability to reset, refresh, and recalibrate yourself in real time um, to create a calmness, clarity, and control for whatever given situation that, that's coming up. So you, know, you can just imagine that in trading, 
those you know, those three R's and those three C's are, I guess, wonderful assets or we- or weapons really uh, to Definitely. have at your disposal uh, if you only know how to do them. Because if you're not managing yourself, as you mentioned earlier on in the in the podcast, you can get into that situation where you you become so so internalized. You miss seeing trading opportunities, and it's the oh, externalization of yourself that, and that reconnection with yourself, that connection with others, and of course there's the social side of that too. But also, it can be translated to you know when you're out on the golf course, you know watch the golf course as well as you know attention as we all play golf. So people can translate it into their own hobbies and, and vocations to manage themselves both formally and informally. Um, but I'd say to, you know, having built all this knowledge of over, say, four decades, um, you know, the current environment, with, you know, it's just so much going on, it's volatile, it's uncertain, it's ambiguous, uh, and it's just chaotic. Um, you really need some toolkit in the background to manage yourself, as, as, you, as you found, you know. But uh, if you'd had some Definitely. of those tools yourself, it might have been a, a different journey. Well, I'm, I'm sure I could benefit from it because I still, um, you know, I, I will still have periods where, uh, luckily, um, you know, retail trading has taught me, and, and by listening to gentlemen like you, um, you know, and um, Mark Douglas, um, you know, uh, may rest in peace, has been amazing, you know, watching his videos um, on YouTube. Um, You know, it's funny, too, because he had his Porsche repossessed in the 80s. I had mine repossessed after 9-11. So it's it's, it's really funny, you know. Um, I sort of really identified with him, sort of walked me through a lot of that stuff. Uh, And... Just having the awareness of of the fact that psychology is a big part of this. Um, every morning now, I ask myself before I trade: Is your mind right? You know, is your head right? Um, are you worried about paying a bill? Is something weighing on you? Um, you know, is something stressing you out? Because if it is, it's going to affect your reaction times. It's going to affect your observation, and it's going to affect your focus. Um, and if I'm not focused, uh, I will always ask myself, you know, is, is your head right? Is your head right? I've got it on my desk. Um, and if my head's not right, um, I don't trade. Um, and I look at it like riding a motorcycle. Um, uh, an old guy once told me when I first got my first motorcycle, he said, listen, if you ever get on that thing and you're like, you're not feeling good or, you know, your head's not or you've had a fight with your girlfriend or something's bugging you, don't ride the bike, take a cab or drive your car or get a ride. Um, so I kind of look at trading like riding a motorcycle. Uh, if my head's not there and I'm not focused, uh, I won't swing my leg over the bike uh, and I won't take trades if my head's not right. That's great advice. That, that, that almost gets us back to the, the poker player I mentioned earlier. You know, who said he, his his ability to walk away was his gift. You know, if, if his yeah. if if his head's turned, you know, he, he'll he could get four aces. He's gonna he's gonna play them dreadfully. He's gonna get sucked into hands that he should never get sucked into. And he said it's mm-hmm. like I say, his ability to walk away. You know, to let go. Mm-hmm. And as Tom Canfield said, cut the loss. It's more important yes. about getting your your head right than anything else. 
quick word from our other co-sponsor. The Mark Randall Consultancy delivers powerful personal, professional and organisational performance optimization. Mark Randall is regarded as one of the world's leading providers of applied corporate mindfulness. Mark's core service is the HIIT Mind Fitness Program. This is a form of applied military-grade mindfulness based on the same programs used by US military special forces to help deliver optimal performance when engaged in operations. You can contact Mark on email CEO at MarkRandallConsultancy.com. Yeah, I, and I, I heard a story about a, a, a trading firm. Um, I'm not sure if it was, I think it was a prop firm where um, if a trader got into trouble with a position, they would take the position away and give it to a fresh trader to trade out of uh, because that trader couldn't, um, you know, once he was jammed in the position, he couldn't couldn't see his way out of it, so they pull it out and give it to somebody who had no emotional attachment to it. Wow, wow! Well, yeah, I, 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 I have the same story. I haven't heard that one, but I know one of the hedge funds that we've worked with. When someone's made a lot of money on a trade, and after they've closed it out, they'll reduce their their limits for two to three weeks because they know that guy yeah. is most vulnerable at giving money back. You know, let him definitely get out of that, and then they'll 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 give him his full limit back. Yeah, that 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 makes sense to me. I mean, and I and I tell people that all the time. You know, people, um, you know, in my room, I'll you know they'll have one or two wins, and I'm like, stop. <laughs> and they're like, why? I'm like, stop for the love of God, just stop and walk away, right? And yeah. when they don't, they give it all back. You know, yeah, and some, and some. And like the Vegas, right? Yeah. Listen, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm conscious of the time, and we, we've got to start winding this up. Um, I've got I'm a load sure. of questions. I've got a load of questions from listeners, and I think for oh. the third week in a row, we're not going to have time to ask them. But I, I, I am going to oh. ask one. I'm going to ask one of them. Okay, and just get your opinion on this. And it's come from a guy called Triumph. I'd been taken eight. Is his Twitter? Twitter handle, and he asked the question about cut your losses quickly, let your winners run. And he says he has a problem with that, and he believes he's lost more than gained, right, by not following that advice. Right, I, 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 that, by not following that advice. That, you know, that's funny because I was talking about that this morning with my room because I was teaching them how to manage a trade or manage your expectations once you're in a trade that's winning. Um, and a lot of them, you know, they'd be in a trade and they'd be up three or four uh, S&P points, and, you know, and they're looking for a 10-point trade. But I would look at the internals of the market and the breadth and the advanced decline line and, and sort of the pace of trading and say that's not a realistic expectation. So managing your expectations and letting your winners run but within the context of the market, if we have a wishy-washy market and you have a long, expect you know, that long to encounter some resistance at a very technical level or a very visual reference and get out you know, yeah. and, book, and book that profit. I mean, especially for, you know, for smaller traders who are building their account. There's nothing wrong with booking prof a few profits every day you know, yeah. to, to build that account and to get a sense of it. Um, so, yeah, let, let your winners run. But don't expect, you know, but manage your expectations based on the context of the market that you're trading at that day. 
Yeah, and at that time, um, and cutting your losses, there's, you know, that's, I love using a four to six tick stop. And people <laughs> think I'm crazy, but, but the way I teach trading is to take trades when inventory gets skewed one way or another very quickly, and then price will move quickly in the other direction. And those trades will either happen very quickly or they won't happen at all. So why, I'm cheap, right? Growing up in Saskatchewan, uh, you know, we used to have contests on whose father was the cheapest. And, right. um, you know, so, you know, the, the, you know, so I, I'm cheap when it comes to spending money on myself or giving money to the So I, I, I really like tight stops. Right. And, right. Um, it's very much depends on your system, that advice. I mean, it's, it is great advice, but it, it really depends on the system or approach you had. So, you know, exactly. when, I, when I used to work in, in, in a bank, um, the market makers around me called us kind of did the opposite to that. You know, that they they, mm -hmm. they would take their profits quickly and they would often let their losses run. And that's OK when you're on the sales side, because, you know, you're the house. You're gathering in lots of small wins and you know that every exactly. now and then you're going to get hit by a large loss. It's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, because those guys are there to provide liquidity, and sometimes yeah. they're the only buyer or the only seller, so they are going to go home offside. Yeah, um, and you know, and that's that's a different mentality to retail trading. And I think there's some people who, and, and I know a few, who even though they're prop traders or buy side traders, they're still trading a, a market making style because it suits them and they know how to work it. So uh, mm -hmm. they, they would probably go against that advice themselves. They might, they might, and but then, and you know, if they have big accounts and high risk tolerance, you know, and they're experienced traders, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah, and it, it works for them. It works for them. So, mm. you know, it, it's. I, I, I think that advice is great advice generally, but you have to contextualize it. You have to look at the system you're you're, you're trading, or you know, the style you're the style you're working. You know, if. Exactly. You know, for, for me, I would probably only have about 10 or 15 percent of my trades actually winning. But when they won, they won much larger because I would let them run. But that, that yeah. was probably a bit of an art getting to be able to do that. You know, it took me yeah, a couple that of years. That, that, that's fine a fine art. art. And yeah. there's probably a lot of pain involved along the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. Well, no, I, I mean, I, uh, because I cut my losses quickly, generally there wouldn't be. Oh, that was the whole point about it. You know, in that in the, I was, you know, the, the idea of cutting losses quickly goes back almost to that Tom Canfield thing. Cut the losses so you can start to see the picture, picture very quickly, you know. But as I said, there were guys around me who were trading the other way around, you know, and, and it was about a balance of, you know, they would get 90% of their trades right, but mm. the 10%, the 10%, would usually be bigger losses in their wins, but the maths added up to them still winning. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so I hope I hope in a way that's given triumph some sort of answer. And I guess that that cut your losses quickly, let your winners run. We could do a whole a whole podcast on that. Definitely. <laughs> Any thoughts, Mark? Oh, I did Pardon? so much about process. You know, you've got to stick to plan, go have the right process. Um, you know, you, 
Um, we don't know the background of the person that asked the question, but if you, if you keep to your plan and you keep the process, then at least you've got a chance. Definitely. Definitely. And I, I do apologize for cutting in there, uh, JJ. I, no I cut you off there. No, no, no. No, no, no. And, and, and you know, because most of my sort of focus is to newer traders and, and smaller traders that, that are just sort of starting out, be patient with yourself and be kind to yourself and don't look at this sort of, you know, trading is not going to pay your bills and, and buy you a new Bentley uh, this year. In time, it may, right? But be kind to yourself and remember it's a marathon, you know? So your, your objective is to be alive and to be trading the next day, right? Not to make money when you're first starting out, you know? So that that you have to protect your mental capital and you have to protect your actual, you know, financial capital too. I think I was going to ask you to sum it up, but I think you've done it without me having to ask you the question. That was great. <laughs> that was great. So many great nuggets in this uh, in this chat. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I, I really appreciate this. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. listening to your podcasts, uh, I mean, I don't, you know, a guy like me doesn't have access uh, to gentlemen of, of your caliber, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, you know, the, the caliber of guests that you've had on, you know, guys who manage $6 billion in a fund and things like that, and then, you know, a paper hanger from Vancouver, I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're putting yourself down. By the way, that $6 billion guy, <laughs> he was also Canadian. Oh, really? And he also came from Humble Beginnings. You know, if it, he, he actually, his book was actually called Bite the Ass Off the Bear. Really? Okay. I'll yeah, it's a great read. If you get, his name's Garth Friesen. You know, he's just a regular yeah. guy. Um, and, uh, you know, he made him, the story is about his journey, you know, from, you know, from school through the uh, failing to get a job, you know, getting a job in the back office somewhere. Uh, and then, you know, sort of retraining, doing a master's the interview process and then eventually getting, you know, through that journey and eventually he's on a Fed market committee and, you know, he's he's head of a fund, you know, with six billion dollars. He's a great guy, if you know. I'd love to reach out. Yes. I mean, it's a great read, that book. I would definitely love to read his book and, um, you know, uh, and it, it'd probably help me because I'm actually writing a book about my experiences with these crazy characters. Um, oh, and, uh, yeah, well, because I, I had, you know, 100 to 200 clients that were just, you know, they were just, they were characters out of, a, one of my friends says, most of my clients remind him of the characters out of a John Wick movie, um, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, there were some pretty interesting characters that, you know, I encountered in this, and I, uh, it's about 100, so it's just, I'm a couple of hundred pages into writing it, and I sort of loosely titled it Proper Villains. So <laughs> that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Well, listen, when, I tell you what, when, when you when you get there, when it's published, we'll get you back on. I think we yeah, have to. Have you I, would, I would love that. I would love yeah. that. And um, and uh, of course, um, you know, and, and and you know, and going out if if any traders do need you know uh, a helping hand or something like that, uh, please reach out to me. Um, you know, I, I love hearing from you. Okay, so give, give them a plug to your company and your website. Oh, certainly. Um, the uh, room, the education room that um, myself and Ray are in, 
and run is uh, microefutures.com. And I'm VWAP Trader One, uh, volume weighted average price, VWAP Trader One on Twitter. Brilliant. Well, listen, should, should we leave Mark to take it out? Mark, do you want to just uh, bring it to a close? A lot, a lot of quality, a lot of depth, a lot of stuff that, you know, people new to the business, there's some vital stuff in there about managing yourself and just how, how to observe market. And I think that we're honoured, JJ, that you could join us. Thank you once again to JJ for being such a terrific guest. As a reminder, if you enjoyed this episode, please go onto iTunes and give the Alpha Mind podcast a rating. That helps us to reach a wider audience. Next week on the Alpha Mind podcast, we are continuing with the retail trader theme. We have longtime retail trader Greg Gossett, who is now into his third decade as a retail trader. This is a great interview with really insightful perspectives. Do not miss this episode. I promise you it's going to be valuable to you, whether you're a private retail trader who is new or if you're a trader with several years experience. It will have valuable insights for those also working on the institutional side of trading, both in buy and sell side roles. On that theme, you know, my journey into coaching and becoming part of this FinTwit community on Twitter was really my introduction into the world of retail trading. I came from the institutional side and most of my clients as a coach are on the institutional side. And, you know, I do sometimes feel that there is maybe a, a slightly negative attitude towards retail traders. Um, but those few who, who do make it into a trading career, you know, they, they've really impressed me. You know, I've, I've gained a huge and newfound respect for the retail trading community. And, and I actually think the institutional world can learn a lot from them. You know, unlike the institutional world, where a salary is paid whether you win or lose, and bonuses are often still paid for, you know, for mediocre performance, which which is much to do with the franchise behind you. Whereas retail traders eat what they kill. If they don't make money, they have no income. And this is usually the only source of income for them. And that creates a very different mentality. And I think often creates superior risk takers. Um, so, you know, listen to, tune in next week to listen to Greg Gossett. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to retail trader JJ and his experiences. Thank you once again to my co-host, Mark Randall. Uh, as a reminder, we are active on social media. My Twitter handle is at AlphaMind101, and I post regularly on Twitter. Mark is a little less active, but he can be found on Twitter at the Mind Guys. That's his handle. We also have a blog page, alphamindblog.blogspot.com. We have lots of interesting articles on there and links to pages with resources for traders, including details of books on trader mindset, uh, both books that are you know, specifically about trading investing and also books which are not really trading investing books but still you know, are really interesting on those themes. We've got a, a page link to books and courses on technical analysis and also we have details of the Alpha Mind Trader Performance Coaching Program that we offer. Uh, there's also a list of other excellent podcasts for traders. We're not particularly precious about us being the only podcast on this area, there's actually many great podcasts out there. Uh, one that I've recently listened to is a podcast called The Jolly Swagman uh, by Australian Joe Walker. Uh, this is a brilliant podcast and I was pointed towards this by a couple of my clients working in hedge funds. The episode I listened to this week was a brilliant interview with 
Uh, Nobel Prize winner in economics, Professor Robert Schiller. Robert Schiller is a leading light in the world of behavioral finance. And, and this was a great interview. I, I really highly recommend it. You will emerge from it somewhat wiser. As well as the Alpha Mind blog, we have a group on LinkedIn called the Alpha Mind Group. You can also find out more about us on our website, uh, where you can see our contact details. And that is alpha-mind.net. And really, that just leaves me to say once again, thank you for listening and have a great week. Thank you.